Welcome to School of PE Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I'm so glad that you could join me this week. We are going to discuss topics about FE, PE, and SE, and we're also going to answer questions that will help students prepare for their exams. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to School of PE's weekly podcast. Again, I'm Chris Miller, and today I have a very special guest here, Mr. Dustin Douglas, who's a PE. Um, so I just want to take a minute here to introduce him, and then we'll dive right in and uh, kind of start chatting with him and see what he's all about. So, Dustin, uh, thanks for coming in and spending some time with me. I'm very excited to kind of get to know you and, you know, hear about the exciting things that you do in engineering. So if you could just kind of tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Thank you. Um, again, my name is Dustin Douglas. Um, I'm a PE. Uh, I live in Texas, uh, office out of Tyler, Texas. I'm a project engineer and uh, I work for a company called GeoPeer and I cover uh, Texas and Louisiana for the company. Very good. So again, pleasure meeting you. Um, I, you know, as I was looking over your bio, I saw some interesting things that I kind of liked a little bit, learn a little bit more about. So first, I see that you have multiple PE licenses. You're licensed in, I think, three states, three good states, two of which I think have you in an Outburger. So that makes me happy. Um, so why three states? And, you know, maybe because you live in one of them might be why you picked one of the three. But, you know, tell me a little bit more why you're a three-time uh, licensee. Sure. So the main reason I got multi-licensure is because of my job requirement. Um, I cover two states for uh, GeoPeer. Uh, it's Texas and Louisiana. Uh, Arkansas is actually the, the state that, that kind of sticks out a little bit because I actually don't cover that state, but I actually took the exam in Arkansas and Little Rock. And so that's why. Exciting. So what, tell me a little bit about the process. Is the process the same in each state as far as the licensing goes, or was there a little bit different process when you were going from one state to the other? Uh, a little bit different. Uh, Texas uh, seemed to be a little bit more uh, in-depth with a lot of the application process and the reference process. Um, all three states required those, those items, but Texas um, seemed to be a little more uh, in-depth with the amount of information that they required. Um, Louisiana had a real fast uh, turnaround for uh, granting the committee license. And so that was, that was kind of nice there. Um, they, they uh, speedily, you know, board and, uh, yeah, the Arkansas board was pretty easy. Uh, all three were online. Uh, and so, yeah, they have some similarities, but some differences as well. Very good. Very good. So again, you're in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Very good. All right. I, I was actually born in Texas. Don't worry about it other than, you know, I was born in San Antonio and it's a, it's a huge state. So, yes. um, you know, Texas um, made the news quite a bit. One, you know, Astros, of course, made some big highlights there. But also during this past winter, they uh, had some problem with um, a lot of people losing power. So can you maybe, you know, talk about your experience with that and maybe from an engineering perspective, you know, some of the things that might have went wrong? Yeah, this is when the podcast takes a very entertaining turn. Um, I, I experienced Isageddon, uh and I experienced it, uh, you know, directly. So we lost power at my home and uh, got snowed in. And when that happened, uh, we were out of electricity and water for three days. And it was insane. I, <laughs> you know, you take, uh, you got to be careful not to take for granted modern amenities because uh, not having uh, electricity and not having water, especially when the, you know, temperature is below freezing, it, it'll make you realize real quick, uh, you know, what a blessing the things that we enjoy every day are. 
Yep. I can understand that. You know, you know, I live in Ohio where power outages are very, very rare. But, you know, my biggest worry is, you know, my iPhone charged, you know, how quickly is the power going to come back on? So I imagine this is a, this was a much more stressful time for, you know, especially for you and your family. But also, I mean, there were some people that went a lot longer than the, the three days without having any power. So uh, was it just due to some extreme cold weather that you guys experienced? Just yeah. I, oh, I. I think it was, you know, the, 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 basically the Texas grid system. I just, I think everybody was running their heaters, um, you know, full, full, full tilt. And so I don't think that they were, you know, prepared for the amount of demand that they suddenly found themselves, you know, needing to, to provide. And so when that happened, they tried to do rollouts, but it, it, it unfortunately, it didn't work very well. And so a lot of us were left without power and water for a while. That's a, that's a long time to go. But like you said, you should, you know, not take those things for granted moving forward. So, but I mean, it's interesting that, you know, you see pictures of it, you know, on the news and the, on the internet and, you know, you have these extreme cold temperatures and then like three, four days later after it was done, it was probably, you know, hot out there in the eighties. Yeah. Um, it fluctuates out there. And then also you guys get pretty humid out there in Texas as well. Uh, for sure. Texas memes are very popular for, you know, somebody will be in shorts and it'll be snowing and they'll say, what happened? You know, um, <laughs> and, and definitely the humidity, you know, we're near the Gulf. So we get some of that, you know, humid humidity in the air and, and it'll make your shirt stick to your skin sometimes. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I'm, I'm from L.A. originally. And so when I moved out to Ohio, I was like, oh, you got to watch out for the humidity. I'm like, eh, what's that? Holy cow. Yeah. Once that humidity hits you, it, it hits you. You're right. It's like you just constantly are stepping out of a shower. So, you mm-hmm. know. It seems like the states that you're in are mostly pretty humid states, so you don't experience a lot of dry heat. Um, but there is truly a difference. Yeah, big time. I actually lived in LA myself back in 2000. Okay. Yeah, in 2002, and and oh, I love the dry air. Uh, I wish we had more of that down here. So, well, I agree. The one thing I don't miss about LA is the traffic. Um, Me neither. <laughs> oh, terrific. Um, I, I was in Austin a while back, and one thing I remember about being out there is driving in Austin is not a lot of fun either. Yep. Yep. Austin's getting to be a lot like California in a lot of ways. Uh, number one, there's a lot of Californians, you know, migrating to Austin because of all the opportunities. And so, uh, yeah, it's definitely getting its similarities. Uh, it wasn't initially, I, I think, designed for the volume of traffic that they have now. But, uh, you know, that's what jobs are for and that's what engineers are there to do. So it keeps a lot of uh, transportation engineers uh, busy, I should say, for sure. It sure does. Uh, so you said you're close to the Gulf. So are you do any fishing, any good fishing out that way? I love deep sea fishing. I, I, I absolutely do. Um, I'll go out to Galveston and okay. uh, yeah, go go a few miles out and catch a lot of redfish and you can catch uh, red snappers and kingfish. Wow. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Oh, I bet it sounds like, yeah. You know, I haven't, I, I used to go fishing those little trout farms. You throw some food in the water and a bunch of trout come and it's easy to catch them. So deep sea fishing would be a, a new challenge for me for sure. So, um, but yeah, very good. Um, you know, as I was also looking at your bio, I was looking at your education and it's a little interesting path that you took to engineering. Um, so before I spill the beans about why that path seems to be a little interesting, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about your path to education or through education, I should say. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I get asked this a lot, actually. Uh, so I, I did start in arts education. It was actually music arts, and I got halfway to a music arts degree. Um, I'm actually a, a pretty affluent musician. I've been playing, you know, guitar since I was a teenager and I play drums, I play bass, a little bit of piano, I sing. Um, and so when I was younger, I, uh, you know, I had some some ambitions to maybe try my luck at that. Um, but as I uh, got into college and, uh, you know, life, life happened, um, I, I, my son, 
you know, it was, I, I was having a son that was arriving. And so at that time I thought, you know, it might be a change time to make a change of something, you know, a little more, um, you know, dependable in terms of something that I think will be a little more lucrative and something I can count on. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had a, uh, I had an opportunity to intern at a geotechnical firm. And oh, wow. uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. I didn't expect it at all. I was just some musician in, in school, but I, <laughs> I, I was was fortunate enough to be introduced to uh, one of the guys that was working there. And uh, they gave me a shot as an intern and I started working in the lab, um, okay. learning a lot of different, you know, lab and, and field geotech testing um, things. And then over time, uh, you know, basically decided to switch my major. And uh, yeah, the rest is history. Got my civil engineering degree. That's quite, I mean, quite a diverse path there. Uh, much like you, I had ambitions when I was a little one to uh, go into music as well as in the fourth grade, I played trumpet and my teacher said I should probably pursue other avenues. So <laughs> I, uh, my path to music ended rather quickly. So uh, at least you had to, a chance to experience it for a lot well, longer than I did. Well, and I still do the music for fun. Um, mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I play drums in a local cover band. We play a lot of the local local venues here. Um, and I also enjoy making, uh, this is going to sound kind of ridiculous, but I enjoy making TikTok videos. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have a, a pretty big following on TikTok. I've, really? I've got almost 100,000 followers now. So it's something wow. I enjoy doing. Holy cow, that's a lot. We, uh, you know, we just started, did our first TikTok video for School of PE, I think, last uh, sometime last year. It's funny. I, I never even heard of TikTok. And then some of the people in their office are like, let's do one. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they did one. It's uh, it's interesting to say the least. It seems to be a pretty popular thing. Um, but that's pretty cool. 100,000. Wow, that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of followers. What kind of music do you play in the band? So the cover band I'm in, we do a lot of Southern soul and kind of folk music. Um, so we'll play anything from the 60s uh, to now. Um, and it's a four piece band. You know, it's just got a guitar player, bass player, a, a wonderful female vocalist. And then I'm on the drums. <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. I, I, that's interesting. I mean, engineer by day, drummer at night. That's pretty cool. So yeah, the, uh, the band name is Al in the Long Shots. I would be remiss not to plug the band. It's Al in the Long Shots. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd the name come about? Uh, Allison is our uh, lead singer. And okay. so she thought it would be fun to shorten her name so that when we took the stage, people would be surprised it was a female vocalist. You know, it's funny. I would have thought I was Al. So, yeah, uh, so why the long shots? Uh, you know, but three of us are just a bunch of knuckleheads. I mean, we're just her backing band. So that, that made sense. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So how often do you guys play? Uh, we play probably once a month, maybe twice a month when the when the season's right, because we do a lot of outdoor, you know, performances. So, yeah, once or twice a month. That's pretty cool. That's a great, you know, little thing to do uh, in the evenings. That's fun. It's yeah. great. I mean, like I said, engineer, and then all of a sudden, who would have known that as an engineer, you're this fun guy after work. So that's cool. Um, so, you know, we had a little time to, you know, chat about your path to education. We talked about, you know, some of the, at least where your, your PE license in the three states. But what about, what do you do for an everyday work? I mean, you know, walk us through a day on the job with you. Okay, absolutely. So my title at GeoPeer is actually region engineer. And it's again, because I cover two states. Okay. Um, I, uh, I basically put together uh, proposals, I do takeoffs, and I basically go out and VE projects or value engineer projects. Um, GeoPeers are a type of aggregate peer. It's a ground improvement system. And so basically it is an alternative or an option that you can use to support various foundations and structures. 
Wow, sounds really cool. So you said that, you know, I, I see that you were a project engineer and then a drilling manager. So can you talk about, you know, what those entail a little bit before you, I mean, region manager, you know, makes sense. Um, but tell me a little bit more about the project engineer and drilling manager. Absolutely. Um, when I first got started and at the geotechnical firm that I interned at, I made my way to project engineer status or graduate engineer status once I graduated. Um, when I when that happened, I became a project engineer. So I would basically draft up geotech reports and I would assign lab testing and, and things of that nature. So it was basically pretty um, what you would consider pretty uh, generic geotechnical engineering work. Um, and I did that until 2015. And after that, I got the opportunity to kind of make a change in my career and do something that was a little bit of both engineering and business development and sales. And so I, you know, kind of took the leap and, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Well, thanks for sharing that. Very interesting. So also, I see that you had the Blue Whale Award. Can you tell me a little bit? Of, I mean, for one, what the heck is that? Is that a fishing award or... Now, the Blue Whale Award is an award that uh, the company I work for uh, gives out for the biggest project uh, each uh, year. And okay. so, yeah, so in the year 2020, um, I actually was fortunate enough to land the biggest job, uh, not only of the year, but it's actually the biggest job in company history. So it's, wow, congratulations. Uh, Thank you. I was I was ecstatic to to be able to win the job, and uh, yeah, it's been been great, been been a wonderful experience. Um, and when I brought that job in, they basically uh, awarded me with that at our annual conference just a few months ago. Very nice. And I guess the title of the award fits what you you're doing, or makes sense. I guess now that I that I heard the backdrop, so that, that's that's really cool. And again, congratulations. Thank um, you. So, you know, growing up, a lot of people, they want to be doctors, they want to be engineers, you know, maybe a professional athlete. So if, if someone was to come to you and say, you know, hey, I'm, I'm kind of stuck on where I want to go. I'm thinking about going engineering. Can you give me any advice? What would you give that person? Absolutely. Um, the first thing I would say is make sure, if especially if I'm speaking to young people, really, really pay close attention in school because engineering education compounds. What you learn at the beginning, you use the entirety of the curriculum and you need those building blocks at the beginning to be able to put the pieces together at the end. Um, and so, again, if I was speaking to a younger person, especially someone in high school, I would say really, really pay attention in your sciences, in your maths. I mean, every, all, all the core curriculum, really. Um, other than that, I would say, you know, when you get into college, um, make sure you are basically aligning with like-minded students um, because it, it really does take a village, especially when you get into junior and senior level engineering classes like design classes. You know, those are very, very group and uh, collaboration minded courses. And so I would just encourage people to really soak up everything, you know, not only the education and what they're learning, but the relationships and the people that they're meeting along the way. That's some great advice. Um, so, you know, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you started off with, with music and then you made your way to engineering. So how soon after you, you know, finished your engineering degree, did you take your FE exam? So when I finished my engineering degree, I took the FE exam uh, about six months later. Um, I have always suffered from test anxiety. And so I was actually kind of excited to do this podcast because I wanted to be very transparent, especially for all the engineers out there who don't pass the exam on the first try. Um, I was one of those engineers. Uh, I had to take the exam 
multiple times to pass. And so I took it six months after I graduated. Uh, I didn't pass it on the first one, but I did get it. And once I passed it, I was able to take the PE uh, just, uh, you know, a year or two later. And uh, I was able to pass the PE exam. That's great. So, you know, I guess some of the advice that you're probably wanting to give to people is that, you know, don't give up. You don't pass the first time, you know, get back on that horse and try again. So, as you mentioned, you took the FE relatively quickly after finishing up at college. Do you see a maybe a benefit of taking the um, FE exam closely to being out of college or, you know, do you think, you know, maybe waiting a little while is beneficial? What do you which way you lean? No, I absolutely subscribe to take the test as soon as you can to, to graduation. Um, I was one of those people that was cro- that was caught right in the cross of the change where you could take your PE pretty much at the same time as an FE and then do your, you know, four years or what is it of clerical and then be able to apply for the license and get the license. I, I'm happy for students that are able to do that now and, and engineering professionals that can do that because I wish that would have been available for me. Uh, the reason being is because when you're fresh out of college, all that information is fresh on your mind, all of it, you know, the structural engineering, the hydrology, the transportation, the geotech, the environmental, all of it. And the FE exam and the PE exam are both made up of a variety of engineering questions that, that cover, you know, a gambit of, uh, you know, disciplines. And so a hundred percent, I would, you know, uh, I would definitely tell people, please take it close to when you graduate, if possible for you, because it's helpful. No, I agree. And, you know, I talk to students every day and always, you know, we get students from both sides of the spectrum, right? We have students that are, you know, senior in college or they just graduated. And then you also have those that have been out of school, maybe 10, 15 years mm-hmm. that are looking to take their FE. And, and, you know, one benefit I always, and you kind of touched on it too, is, you know, those topics that are on the exam, you know, mathematics, statistics, statics, dynamics, those aren't something that you deal with every day, but at least while you're in college, those are topics that you've been looking at for the last at least couple of years. So everything's still fresh in your mind. Plus, you're still used to, you know, studying for exams, studying for finals. So you're in that study mode already. Mm-hmm. And then also your motivation is pretty high, too. So and that's great advice. Um, and then, they, again, you have some people on the flip side that have been out for you know, 10, 15 years. That doesn't mean, you know, they won't be able to pass the FE. A lot of people have successfully do so as well. Um, it's just, you know, about motivation. And, you know, speaking about motivation, you know, what motivates you each day? Um, you know, my family is, is definitely the number one motivation. Um, I also like, I get a lot of satisfaction and, uh, fulfillment from helping other people. And so when you're able to work on a project, especially a project where you can value engineer a solution for a design team, when you can make a general contractor or a structural engineer or an architect or a geotech, the hero on a job, because they brought you in and they allowed the overall team and the owner to benefit on the project, you know, whether it be economically or on their construction schedule, that's a big deal. You know, that's that that that's a very, very rewarding feeling. Um, And, you know, I want to add one more thing. I I would have been remiss not to mention on the previous question about taking the exams close to graduation. I cannot I cannot express more how important it is to take a uh, review course like the School of PE. It was imperative to to me passing the exam. Um, like I said, in, in the in the spirit of being transparent, for all the engineers out there who watch this, who maybe haven't passed yet, but have tried and just haven't quite made it, 
take a review course because it made all the difference in the world. It, it was a concentrated curriculum that I was able to have a better idea of what to expect, what to prepare for, and uh, what to practice because it was all about repetition and, and it was it was so val valuable to me. And, and I'm, I'm really happy to be on this stream because I feel like I, I owe a debt of gratitude to the School of PE for, for my own professional, you know, uh, success. Well, we appreciate that. And we're glad, you know, we are along for the ride to help you achieve your goals. Um, and it, it, it seems, you seem to have a great passion for engineering. And that's what we like to see, not only in the students that have come through our, our programs, but just, you know, in engineers that we come across on a daily basis. Um, you know, and speaking about review courses, I agree, especially, you know, at least when you're, you know, maybe recently removed from college, as we mentioned, a lot of those topics are still fresh in your mind. But when you've been out 10, 15, 20 years, courses like these, they help you because you're right, they, they, they give you a succinct set of uh, information to study and prepare from. So definitely helpful. And, uh, you know, again, happy that we are along for the journey to help you get through your journey to become a PE. Um, you know, life is all about successes and failures and, 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 and how you deal with those failures. So, you know, can you talk about some of the great successes that you've had throughout your life? And then maybe a, maybe a failure that kind of eats at you still today, but you didn't let it keep you down and you turn it into maybe a success. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of my one of the successes in my life that I am most uh, proud of is passing the PE exam. Um, I think the passing of it was sweeter because I had failed, you know, before before passing it. And so once I once I was able to get over the hump, it felt, you know, really, really rewarding. Um, you know, as far as other, uh, you know, successes in my life, um, you know, I, I'm very uh, you know, I, I love my wife. I love my son. I, I'm very happy to to ha to be surrounded by people like that. That you know, who are who mean a lot to me, and I feel a lot of success just by having a family that that you know brings you know just fulfills my life and enriches my life. Um, as far as things you know, not engineering related, um, you know, back. 20 years ago before I was uh, into the engineering and I was still doing the music, um, I did release a single with uh, a band that I had back in 2004 uh, that actually made the rounds on uh, Houston radio for a while. So that was pretty oh. cool. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. So that was a, I, that was a big deal back then. So. Oh yeah. I mean, that, the only way I'm getting on the radio is through this podcast. So um, <laughs> you made it through the talent through music. That, that's incredible. That's awesome. Um, you know, speaking about, you know, you've been on both sides, you've been on the, the failure side of taking the exam, and then you were able to celebrate on the successes of passing the exam. So, you know, a lot of times when someone takes the exam and they don't pass the exam, you know, they get down, you know, they get down on themselves. They, they think about maybe, man, do I have to just completely blow everything up and start over? You know, is it the way I studied, the way I prepared, what happens? What advice would you give someone that, says, that comes to you and says, hey, Dustin, you know, I, just, I just sat for the PE exam. I didn't pass. What am I, what do I do? Maybe it's a multiple attempt that they didn't pass. Maybe they failed twice and they're just like, they're, they're like, what the heck do I do? Absolutely. So I'll first just, you know, provide a little commentary on how it feels. You know, when you get that um, email, you know, for that Nisus email and it says, you know, hey, your results are in, you know, your heart starts racing 100 miles an hour and you, you, you log in, you check. When you see the fail sign, you know, it, it'll just make it, it'll just make your, your your stomach just drop. I mean, it's like a, it's this this feeling in the pit of your stomach because it's like you just said. You prepped for it. You spent weeks prepping. You studied, and then you don't pass, and it kind of makes you question, "What? What am I doing?" You know, especially for those of us who really needed it, the license, you know, to to continue progressing in the career. And so, what I would say is, don't give up ever. 
you know, just don't give up, but don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, when I first took the PE exam, I just used a Lindbergh manual. Um, I didn't take a review course and I went through and I spent a lot of um, what I consider now to be superfluous time tagging the pages of what I thought would be on the exam. Well, when I when it came time to take it, there was so much stuff that I had tagged in that review manual that was not on this exam. And so, you know, by the time I took a review course, it, it made all the difference in the world. So so I guess the the the, the crux of what I'm saying is tr take a break if you don't fail, catch your breath, give yourself time to rest. But when you get at it again, don't do the same thing. Do something different and you'll get a you know, you, you may get a different result. That's some great advice. Um, and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so, you know, engineering, one of the great things about engineering, there's a lot of great things about engineering, but one of the things I like is there's so, it's such a broad field. I mean, so many different things that you can do, so many different things that you can get into. You know, if a new engineer just came through, just maybe passes FE, and was coming to you and said, Dustin, you know, where, how do I find my, my niche in here? Like, you know, where, what do I do to find the place that I want to be or should be in engineering? What, what kind of advice could you give that person? I would definitely start by just asking them what their overall interests are in engineering. Um, you know, are you attracted to, you know, water resources? Does that interest you, um, you know, in that aspect of engineering? Are you more interested in roads and traffic lights and, you know, things of that nature, how those are all made and, and you know, timed out? Are you interested in, in, in dirt? in the soil, um, you know, and, and how to make things, you know, how to support things so that they don't settle. And, and so that, you know, uh, we, we don't have, you know, disastrous things happen. Same thing with structural engineering. You know, I would basically just first, I would just uh, basically get a person to comb through their brain and say, what interests me the most out of these divisions and whatever interests you the most, you know, whatever you're the most passionate about, you're going to have the easiest time being successful in what you're passionate about because you're actually interested in it. And at times it will feel less like a job and more like a passion. That's some great advice again. So I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, you know, as we're coming to an end here for today, is there any last bit or piece of advice you could give to the engineering world? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd say for one bit, a big piece of advice, especially in the spirit of, of the unfortunate tragedy that's happened in Florida, you know, engineers need to, it's important to get jobs done quickly. And it's, it's important to hit your clients, you know, uh, schedule restraint, but there's something to be said for integrity and the trust of the public. And so I would just encourage people to really, really engineers to really, really take the craft serious. And, you know, it, it, to me, it's a craft that's a noble, you know, craft and, and, and something that needs to be honored and respected. And so I think that would be, again, in the spirit of, of what has unfortunately unfolded in Florida, I'd say, just remember, you know, the public trusts us. We have a job to do. It's important to maintain good schedules, good budgets, but the most important thing is, is the trust of the public and public safety.
No, that's some great words of advice there. And, you know, appreciate you again sharing that with us. You know, uh, Dustin, I appreciate you coming out here today and spending some time with me. You know, I'd love to have you back on and, you know, maybe talk about your last fishing trip that you that you had or something and get into some more engineering discussion. But it's been a great time uh, getting to know you and uh, learning more about you. So I appreciate you coming out. Until the next time, have a great day. Hey, thank you. 